This is Kyle Blakely, and you're listening to COS 23, The Mayor's Race. Former city council person Richard Scorman was a guest on my last episode, and after we got done talking about affordable housing, he stuck around the studio for a little bit, and I had a chance to ask him a few other questions, just a general perspective of what are the issues the community's facing right now. And Richard had some great things to say. I always like talking to him and listening to his viewpoints because he does probably more research on a lot of these issues than anybody else I know. So it's a a little bit of a short conversation, uh, but I really wanted to share it with you. So please enjoy listening. Richard, one, I want to ask you, you mentioned that there were several other ideas that you're aware of that other communities are doing. I'd love to know what some of those are. After that, a general question or so around, you know, kind of your viewpoint about the challenges the city's facing, not just affordable housing, but everything. What what do you see as like the, the critical issues here and mm-hmm. some of the solutions and stuff? And I, okay. I mean, again, you're, you've had a long perspective on this community and yeah. by far you, you do more research on these topics than anybody I know. And I, I think I've listed most of the solutions I can think of. But I mean, I can, you know, there's certainly, a, there's a few others you can think about um, that are, are part of this um, you know, home COS that they, they had lots of different you know ways to fund and different partners and and so uh, certainly that that's what I would recommend is that people really look at that. There's a list of 30 solutions in there. That's good to know. It's on the city's website. Yeah, 72 pages. They really did a good study of what they can do and what needs to be done. Okay. And and really uh, went into a lot of these things that we were, we were just talking about. One of the challenges, like we talk about the mix of housing types is critical to this. I've heard that with like construction defect laws at the state level, that it makes it really hard to build like townhome projects or condominium projects. Mm-hmm. Is that true? Yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah, no, it makes it more, a lot more expensive. There's been an effort to try to uh, overturn that for a decade now. Yeah. And they haven't been successful. Okay. So they, you know, the people up in the legislature want renters and, you know, uh, uh, people that buy products to have that guarantee. But yeah, no, it makes it more expensive. Okay. And so those are the things, you know, that you you weigh the unintended consequences of. Uh, rent control is another one that's up at the legislature now. It's a good thought. However, is that are are the uh, the property owners just going to skyrocket the rents to cover what they think they're going to need for inflation uh, entering in and make things more expensive to begin with. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, that's the hard part is how do you, how does government get out of the way and how does government interfere and what government should do that may be more prescriptive than a lot of people like. So there's a, that's the balance. Richard, I would love to just ask with where the city is now question is what type of leadership do you think the city needs what i don't know as you've looked at this mayoral race what do you see well you know as you said there many of them have been elected officials before and i've worked with all of them and i think they you know they are they would all be good for different reasons and i'm not endorsing anybody because i feel like it's important to uh, let the process happen and not influence but but having said that i'm hoping that whoever gets elected thinks outside the box and doesn't get too caught up in ideology. 
government shouldn't do this because we're a conservative city or we shouldn't ask the voters for that because then then we're you know we're asking for too many taxes and uh, or you know we need to have uh, you know uh, something on the other side that uh, we need to have mandatory inclusionary zoning where every apartment that's built has to build you know 20% yeah. and and so you know there, there I think there's other rent control may come up where it's a home home rule city and we have the ability to do it or not so I, I, there's that balance but I'm hoping that we don't get caught up in ideology and wanting to be conservative or wanting to be progressive and wanting to speak to the audience that you're speaking to. But we think of that whoever is elected thinks about the big picture and who, uh, who is elected really cares enough to do their homework and not just say, yeah, this is what we, you know, we've done in the past and we'll chip away at it. But to get really creative, yeah, because because boy, we have we're not the only ones out there who ha- are going through all this. Yeah, yeah, I what I like is you you look at other cities and try and find who's doing certain things well as far as finding ideas for things, and um, yeah, to me that's it's a great approach. We don't have to reinvent the wheel on everything. Uh, there's other people that are tackling the same issues, and there's great ideas out there. Yeah, it definitely is, and, and uh, that's what's been that's what's good about local government. It's not partisan. You know, I worked well with John Southers. You know, although we probably you know uh, have different viewpoints on national politics, or but but who cares? Yeah. You know, a pothole isn't Democrat or Republican. <laughs> it, need, it needs to get needs to get fixed. And uh, and that's why I love local government. I wish that uh, the voters would would pay council enough to get to get a better variety of people that really represented the the uh, full citizenry as opposed to a lot of retired people who can afford to do it. Yeah, I'm not saying you know that they're bad people, but uh, it would be nice to, to have other viewpoints. But it's a great little mini democracy. That's what's wonderful about it. Uh, people can come to city council, county commissioners to an extent too, where they have access to people that affect their lives, yeah. and uh, and that's I think an important piece of this. But 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 I think that we have to you know kick ourselves in the rear on this affordable housing issue and a few other ones out there. Yeah. And I can certainly list list my other ones if you'd yeah, like. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to know what other things you think we need to be really paying attention to. Yeah, so, so the biggest risk we have here is, uh, is wildfire. So th- there's nothing uh, that we should focus on that's more important because talk about a recession, talk about housing, you get uh, more more fires on the west side. You know, look what happened at the Marshall Fire in Boulder. Yeah. Uh, it just doesn't take much. And so in my mind, that, that's the most critical issue. And it's not, you know, fire mitigation is is a, an important piece of it. Yeah. The Bear Creek Fire, really, people were saved because the Upper Skyway neighbors and the, the city and the county did mitigation up there. Mm-hmm. However... Um, it's that rapid identification and rapid response that I think needs to be bulletproof. We were lucky that day to have a, a helicopter with a bucket down in Pueblo because Fort Carson wasn't uh, alerted. They, didn't, they weren't coming. 
And they were lucky that day to have the uh, Gold Camp Reservoir 60 seconds from where the fire was with the bucket. And, uh, and so it's great that we have the big fire bomber from the state, you know, parked at the Colorado Springs Airport. But, you know, what if there's a troublesome fire and all these other fires at the same time around the state? What do we have here? And then, and then how are we going to identify these fires to get to them quickly? Because that's key. If you can put them out quickly, it's, uh, and the, there's very sophisticated satellites and, and ways to get uh, coordinates. Within three minutes, you know by the color and temperature of the fire, what kind of fire it is. Yeah. You know where all the weather is around it. Yeah. You know where all the resources are that can respond to it. And so it's great that we have Colorado Springs Fire Department. They do an excellent job. But boy, El Paso County and Teller County, they don't have the resources that we do. You know, people were upset about maybe closing Old Stage Road at, you know, on Friday, Saturday, Friday, Saturday nights late. But who's up there you yeah. know, with 40 or 50 bonfires you know, yeah. and people firing weapons? And so you, you, you have to think about us as a region because the fire could come from 115. That area was, was heavily lumbered out. Yep. Uh, it's second generation. It's thick in there and very little access. And that's maybe where the winds come from, southeast. It yep. does often. So, so uh, number one, we have to get that together. Yep. Uh, number two, we, ha- we have a, uh, an issue with uh, the, what we provide in terms of recreation and transportation that we haven't addressed. So, Park department underfunded for decades. You know, you know, everybody's talked about that. You know, big backlog. Uh, thank God we have tops, and I really hope that everybody supports its renewal. We we tried to increase it, and they said no. But it was a, a terrible year. Everything was voted down because of a recession that was going on. I did ask all the candidates I interviewed if they supported that issue. All seven of them did, and it sounds like from other things too that there's a lot of support. The other thing I asked them though was, you know, before 08, the parks budget was about 8.4% of the overall budget. Now it's about 5.9%. Would they be willing to work to get the percentage of the budget for parks back up closer to where it used to be? And got a lot of mixed responses. Nobody really leaned in and said, yeah, I'm all for that. I did hear somebody at a forum the other day that said that he was in favor of if he's elected to try and work to get the budget back up to a higher percentage. But yeah, you're right. I mean, parks have been underfunded for way too long. Well, and, and uh, it's a, I mean, it's, yeah, it's a quality of life issue, but it's a health issue. Yeah. Huge. And uh, it's a business issue. You know, it's why people like to live here and it should be a transportation issue. So, so uh, if I had my druthers, we would have the greenway system that they have in Fort Collins so people could actually get on a scooter or an electric bike and get to work instead of driving in traffic because we're right at non-attainment for ozone. It's, not, it's going to be very soon before the federal government comes in and tells us, uh, you know, we have to do X, Y, and Z. But we have a high asthma rate here, one of the highest uh, children's asthma rate in the state, I think the highest. And it's a health issue. People move to this high altitude and older. we have a big growing older population. Yeah. So do we want to keep building out 
you know, in the county and having people drive long distances. Do we all want to be stuck in traffic? What if there was a system of greenways? And, and in my mind, uh, it's, it really has several purposes. So yeah. if you think about it, greenways, we, we have 23 tributaries to Fountain Creek. I had no idea. It was uh, 22 are in El Paso County, and uh, there's other smaller ones that aren't really considered tributaries. What if there was a system of greenways, like in, like in Denver, where you can ride your bike for 70 miles and not have to cross traffic? and go all the way across Castle Rock. Yeah. And uh, what if uh, then the younger people that are moving here realize that, you know, they don't need their two cars? And they, but, but, but having said that, our mountain backdrop parks are, are uh, bursting at the seams. In the summer, six million plus visitors guard in the gods. You know, you you uh, seven hundred and fifty thousand in Cheyenne Canyon can't find a parking space. Yeah, and so because we bring about fifteen twenty million tourists a year to share it with us, and then we have this huge park deficit. We have a population that loves to recreate. Yeah, you know, we were the most fit city in the United States one year because least body weight, people don't watch TV, most dog-friendly city, you know, per capita. And so here we are. Let's make parks a stepchild. So, so we, you know, there's lots of ways to be creative. And again, I can go through my 20 minutes of solutions. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, a. Uh, obstacle with Tabor on all these things. If we had the guts of our local government, you know, politicians to really detaborize in ways that we should, uh, which every other city and, you know, the state has done, uh, we wouldn't have to be begging the voters and going to elections all the time to keep, you know, to build, build up some of the park system out. We could just keep the money as our economy grows. And there's a big That's, new plus to that because now we're taxing internet sales, which is huge. I think the internet sales saved us during COVID. Yeah, we didn't really take did. we didn't take a hit like I think people thought we would because of that. But yeah, my other passion is uh, we are uh, we, we, part of what we can do with those uh, waterways. You know, the tributaries is really plant wetland species because that that absorbs water that spills over and you can only hold it for 72 hours because every drop is owned by somebody downstream but cleans it before it goes into that waterway and, and we have that obligation sometimes you look at fountain creek going into the arkansas river and it's this big brown river going into a clear one yeah and the arkansas river goes through 180 water treatment systems before it gets to the Gulf of Mexico. So we're the first ones polluting it. And, uh, and we also uh, want to keep it pure because we have a lot of reuse rights that we, we're now getting that we're trying to capture. Oh, that's to, good. To I, capture. Didn't know, I wasn't aware of that either. Yeah. But, uh, you know, we could certainly build more urban canopy there and keep us a little cooler. We could certainly, you know, have stormwater retention that is really necessary, really necessary these days. And we can do fire mitigation along those waterways because those are the places that really are the effect affected the most. When you saw that black water going down from the Waldo fire, you know, you want you, uh, everybody was, was shocked. And so th that's one piece of it. But, but another piece is how we build. And I know, you know, this is government being prescriptive. Yep. But do we really need the big attics? Do we need to, can we have thicker walls? Can we have uh, deciduous trees planted on the, 
the south side of the house to provide shade in the summer. Could we have the right kind of landscaping? Do we need these big Kentucky bluegrass lawns? Because, yeah, you're right, water is precious, and we may not have enough, especially if we get to be a million people in the region. And the city has been very good with getting water rights. However, maybe not enough. Should we reuse water? Unfortunately, that's certainly, you know, on the table. No way. I always used to brag and I would go to a motel somewhere and, you know, take a sip of water and throw it out and get, <laughs> and get the bottle. But now we, we're, we as a, a community are going to have to reuse water. Yeah. But, but, but how we uh, construct new building and building within the infill, within the uh, part of the cities that are getting rebuilt, city uh, we, if we're prescriptive about it, we're going to save in the long run. Yeah, yeah. So I know, think I think all these things you're talking about are coming because again, water we're starting to see it now. I mean, it's right on the you know kind of that really starting to hit the critical point. But again, I mean, if we have another 15, 20 years of drought on top of you know kind of the long term drought that we've seen, I mean, spots here and there where we've had we have a good year here and there, but I mean, if it goes on for another 15 or 20 years, it's a lot of these things you're talking about. At some point, we're going to look back and go, what, we didn't do, we didn't always do it this way? Yeah. And, and uh, you know, there, I mean, you can sound the alarm bell too much when it comes to water. I agree, I agree with Senator Hickenlooper that our senior water rights in Colorado for residential and, and commercial will trump agricultural. Still about 80% of the water use in Colorado is, is agriculture. And I'm not saying that's not valuable, but, yeah. you know, can you, again, on the other side, you know, have more efficient uh, irrigation? And and you need to grow things in the ways that we traditionally do, or can you grow them hydroponically in areas that are less consumptive? And so, yeah, you know, we have to look at all that. With Build Back Better, there's actually a lot of, you know, m- monies for that. Yeah. So, so I really hope that uh, the people that are elected think outside the box. They don't get too caught up in, oh, government shouldn't, you know, let's just get out of the way and let business do whatever they want. But that they look at ways that uh, will save business and, and save residential customers down the road. And they invest now and that they think about how we're building because all this is going to pay you know pay back and dividends later or we're going to have a place that's unsustainable yeah yeah i always joke and say the only way i know how to uh, stop our growth rate is to have a recession uh, or to have mandatory birth control <laughs> yeah or, or, or euthanasia <laughs> because people love to live in colorado colorado springs is is actually more affordable than a lot of the rest of the state and we do have an incredibly beautiful place to live well, and you're right. I mean, you brought up earlier the the part about, you know, half of our growth is birth over death. Yeah. I mean, the only way to address that half of it is birth control. Yep. So it's, no, it's uh, <laughs> uh, people don't realize, you know, about 8,500 births, maybe 4,500 uh, 3, deaths a year. You know, so it's just a, it's. Well, that's 2,000. I mean, that's 4,500 people. Yeah. That's 2,000 housing units. Yeah. No, and and I may be be off. That was a a few couple of years ago. We were the city, one of the top cities where millennials were moving to, you know, a lot of young people, a childbearing age. And so you think about military, you know, we're bringing people here. And so, you know, it's all this is unique to Colorado Springs. 
because now people love to, you know, they want to live somewhere where they can be, have access to the outdoor life. And, and we all do. That's why we all love living here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate you being here. This is great. Yeah, happy to. And, uh, you know, I could go on for six hours if you like. And, well, and, I, uh, uh, I, I, no, I, I, uh, it's funny. I always feel like I, uh, I ramble on too much, but, uh, it, it's a complicated, interesting, and very uh, unusual place because I think local government really works here. Everybody talks about these influences and the you know developers this and the whatever the firefighters union that and and uh, but in reality it's a it's a place where the people that do get elected and I hope this happens again they care. And they are going to make decisions, I think, that are in the best interest of the citizens here, not necessarily, you know, they're, they're not, uh, the, the 6250 a year isn't, uh, isn't enough for people to uh, feel like they have to, to uh, cater to everybody who's giving them money. <laughs> true, true. Well, thanks again. I do appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, no, happy, happy to. So during this podcast, we've tried to highlight some of the candidates who are running for mayor and what the key issues are for them. I've also tried in a couple of instances to talk about specific issues and allow you then to go see which candidate you feel like matches up best with your position on the issue. And so that's what I hope you kind of take away from Richard's conversation today. He pointed out some things that he believes are important in the community. And I think there are issues that a lot of the candidates have addressed on their website or talked about in our podcast, or you might even have had a chance or get a chance to go see him in one of the mayoral forums that are happening around the community. But either way, it really is the goal to help you make an informed decision about who you want to vote for this year. Thank you for listening to this episode of COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast. This program is brought to you by Avant Strategies. Special thank you to producer Ted Robertson for help putting this program together. If you're interested in partnering with COS 23, the Mayor's Race podcast, you can reach out to me at kyle at avantstrategiesllc.com. Avant Strategies, LLC.com.